All right, Sandy Rios with you here of Sandy Rios 24-7. Today we're going to be talking about a drama that's playing out that you may or may not have heard about. Let me just tell you, let me put it to you this way. Politico has a, a, a headline. It says, Inside Kevin McCarthy's Vengeance Operation. Uh, CNN, on the other hand, says a McCarthy foes face blowback as primary threats grow and GOP donors shut wallets. What's going on? Kevin McCarthy has $18 million in his war chest, and he's spending that money to defeat the eight members of Congress who voted to oust him as Speaker. I think it was a really, really great blessing when Kevin McCarthy was ousted, but we'll get into that in just a second. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? A heartbeat is a baby's only defense in the womb. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound, and that's where preborn steps in, rescuing 200 babies every single day from abortion simply by providing a mother with free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see her perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks... The eyes are forming, and by 10 weeks, the baby's able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious babies. For just $28, you could be the difference between the life or the death of a baby. You know, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and stand with me on preserving, saving these precious babies' lives. Well, certainly after today's show, you might want to call me and, uh, you know, share your thoughts. You can do that at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can also find the podcast at sandyrios.com as well as any podcast platform. But our number one platform, of course, is AFR.net. That's AmericanFamilyRadio.net. Uh, you can find us on social media, you know, all of those things, and I hope that you will access information about the show and share it with your friends. Well, for today, sit back, maybe take a pencil and paper, because this is very interesting, on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. From what, for what purpose does the, does the gentleman from Florida now seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. The gentleman will state the form of his resolution. Declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. Resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That is the voice of uh, Congressman Matt, G- Matt Gates, And that's uh, October the 3rd of this past year. And I think that the ground shook. There certainly must have been an earthquake in the House of Representatives when that happened. You remember we covered this extensively because I'm very vested in this, 
very concerned. This is like an area I've watched for so long, I cannot absent myself from it, and it has tremendous effect on this country. I want to make that case for you today. I want to make the case why I still think that was a great idea. I think good riddance to a bad rubbish, which is Kevin McCarthy. I feel that way very strongly, and yet now Kevin is out. It's an act of vengeance, and he's trying to get rid of the eight who voted to oust him uh, on the House floor. They knew they were taking a chance, and I'm going to get into some of their quotes in a minute. But first of all, I want to now kind of fast forward to now. We're coming up on Valentine's Day. I don't know when you'll be listening to this podcast. But over this past weekend, uh, there's a battle going on in the Senate. Now, just hang with me for a second. I know the other is the House, and this is the Senate. But all of this ties together because you know that when one uh, the Senate votes on something, the House has to vote as well and vice versa. Uh, it matters who's in power, and it matters who the people are, the personnel, the individuals who serve in the Senate, who serve in the House. So what's at stake and what's the fight in the Senate right now? And in fact, I think they're going to be voting as I speak to you. I think they're voting today on this. It, well, it's a lot, of, um, a lot of its procedure, but this is what it is. The... The Senate, in their wisdom, in their great wisdom, uh, could not pass that uh, bill to fund Ukraine uh, and Israel and other nations. Hamas, they were going to fund Hamas as well. Uh, They couldn't pass that tied to border security. These conservatives in the House and the Senate say, you cannot have that money unless you first secure our borders. How dare you send $95 billion to these countries when our border is not safe and we're being invaded? So it's been a fight royale. And I would say in the in the Senate, uh, Mike Lee has been the, the, the loudest, most consistent champion, and he has been that. And so this is what happened. The senators who I would say are on our side, but the American people's side, they want to secure the border. They tried to introduce a number of um, amendments to this bill because what McCarthy did was separate this bill to fund Ukraine and Hamas and Israel and some other country from securing the border. They just cut that part out because they don't care about securing the border. Really, if they did, they if they cared, they would do something about it. So McConnell has been um, very much against any any of these bills that the House has passed. HB2 comes to my mind, uh, which is a strong border bill. So he's been opposing it. So the conservatives in the Senate, on some, at some degree, not all of them to the same degree, have been then presenting amendments. That was their plan to this spending bill. Like Mike Lee wanted to place illegal immigrants convicted of DUI into expedited removal proceedings. Mike Lee asks her to close loopholes in our asylum laws and to require proof of citizenship to vote. Uh, Mike, uh, Senator Johnson uh, had an amendment that conditions release of Ukraine funding on achieving certain metrics to secure our border. Well, what happened was McConnell, along with Schumer and Tom Tillis, killed their ability to even offer these amendments. And so they were trying to get 60 votes to vote, and they finally got them. And I'd like to tell you, actually who the Republicans were, who didn't care a whit about securing the border, but they cared a great deal about sending money to Ukraine. A great deal. Uh, And I want to just, before I read their names, I want to remind you, there was a story last week, perhaps I didn't have a chance to tell you, but even the Biden administration made a special trip to Ukraine to confront Zelensky 
because he has been personally spending uh, the the money that's being sent by the United States. He's enriched himself. He's spending it on all kinds of things, even his cabinet has confronted him on him personally spending this aid money. I'm telling you, this is corruption beyond measure. And yet, and yet, McConnell and Schumer and the others, they are just, we must send money to Ukraine. I, I don't know. Someday we'll know, I think, you know, how how that money uh, wooed them. Where, what's their part in this? What's the motive? Uh, well, okay, so the 18 Senate Republicans who voted yes to advance this foreign aid bill without securing the border, without securing the border. Remember, McConnell severed it, and they're happy that he severed it. They're doing nothing on the border. So they advanced a $95 billion foreign aid bill. They'll vote on it today, uh, which is, uh, this is Monday, February the 12th. So who voted on it for it? McConnell, Thune, Capito, Cassidy, Collins, Cornyn, Joni Ernst, Chuck Grassley, John Kennedy, Jerry Moran, Mark Wayne Mullen, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Mike Rounds, Sullivan, Tillis, Wicker, and Young. The 18 Senate Republicans that weren't content to sever protecting our border from funding Ukraine and Israel for that matter. Uh, and, you know, and they would not allow a vote to just send money to Israel. They had to pair it with Ukraine and Hamas. So it is just uh, corruption beyond measure. And, of course, now it's going to have to go back to the House. Mike Johnson, the Speaker, has vowed that he will not bring this up for a vote. But here's the thing. Uh, the Republican caucus is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And the the majority of the Republican caucus are members Been, who have been recruited by uh, Kevin McCarthy or before him, John Boehner. Recruited, why? Because they could be controlled, they could be bought, they would be loyal lieutenants, uh, you know, joined at the hip with Kevin McCarthy uh, with, the, with the millions of dollars, dollars that he has access to. And that's why it's so hard to find, uh, to be able to pass good good bills even out of the Republican conference. So the margin of conservatives in the House conference is so small, but they've had, through the Freedom Caucus and, and a few others, Matt Gates is not in the Freedom Caucus, they've had the ability to stop some really bad legislation and to make it possible to bring Kevin McCarthy down in his leadership. Why did they want to do that? Because Kevin McCarthy was wielding power. He was making deals with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and not even asking or allowing the caucus or members of the House who have every right to weigh in on things that are being considered, cutting them out, making deals with them. And then because he has this army of lieutenants that he's made sure they got elected, he's been able to pass some really bad things. So, uh, And that in includes raising our budget to inordinate levels. So, and also breaking his word, being uh, actually an enemy to the conservatives, undermining them. So there's a lot of reasons I could give you, but he needed to be gone. The only reason he ever did right things in the past year or so was because he was being threatened by the Freedom Caucus. So I'm just telling you, it's a good thing that he's gone. But of course, now that brings me to what I want to talk about today. 
Well, for me, this is not left versus right. This is not ideological. This is about someone that we can trust, someone who will keep their word, someone that the American people can really trust in this leadership position, because we need leadership in this country more than ever today. That's the voice of Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Now, uh, Nancy is not always, she's not my favorite congressperson, but on this issue, uh, somehow she just ended up voting uh, to remove Kevin McCarthy from leadership. Politico is a trusted source for information of what's happening on Capitol Hill. It's not a right source, or from the right, it's more of a left-leaning source, but they're known for their accuracy, so I'm going to use this. And the title of this is Inside Kevin McCarthy's Vengeance Operation. And you just heard Nancy Mace on that clip. Um, She is one of the three biggest targets from Kevin McCarthy. The other is Bob Good of Virginia and Eli Crane, former Special Services of Arizona. Kevin McCarthy is not done trying to exact revenge on the fellow Republicans who ended his Hill career. After a devastating ejection from the speakership that he spent 16 years pursuing, the California Republican and his allies are mobilizing to oust the eight GOP lawmakers who joined Democrats to depose him. And I guess I should list them. If I can do it by, by memory, I will. Matt Gates, uh, Tim Burchett, uh, Eli Crane, Bob Good, Nancy Mace, uh, the guy from Montana. Uh, just a second, I'll get to him. Matt Rosendale from Montana. And I might have missed one, but I'll get Andy Biggs from Arizona. Those are the ones that are being targeted. Okay, so what's happening is McCarthy has a top aide who has volunteered. I'll do that. I'll help get these people out. I'll carry the, the, the water for this. Brian O. Walsh is his name, and he's overseeing an attempt to recruit primary challengers to take on members of the infamous Gates 8. And that, of course, is named after Matt Gates. All right, so according to six people familiar with the plans who were granted anonymity to discuss them, the McCarthy Revenge Campaign is ready to marshal the former speaker's considerable donor network on behalf of Republican primary candidates who are deemed strong enough to pose a credible threat to one of the eight. That means that the McCarthy team, led by Brian O. Walsh, are recruiting opponents for the candidates of these eight candidates. Uh, they're going into the district. They're pouring money into these races. They are pouring money into disparaging Mace running ads already. Boy, she's really taking hits. Um, and also Bob Good. Uh, and as I said, the third one is Eli Crane. So they've recruited strong Republicans to run against these uh, sitting congressmen, people that they, I think, can control because they're going to be spending so much money on them. And this is so dangerous. Do you understand how dangerous this is? And I think I'll get to the exact number, but I believe it's 16 or 18 million that Kevin McCarthy still has. He's t- stepped down from Congress, which meant, of course, that the Republicans had one less vote. That was that was such a petty, like a childish, uh, if I can't win, I'm going to take my toys and go home. I'm going to hurt you. And so that's when he started his vengeance campaign. It's just so petty, and yet it's working in some areas. Unless you, the voters, wake up and counter this, and you could do that, and that's what I hope you will do. This is what McCarthy said about Nancy Mace and uh, Tim Burchett for voting to remove him. These traitors chose to side with Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and over 200 Democrats to undermine the institution, their fellow Republicans, and a duly elected speaker. There must be consequences for that decision. 
So that's his happy thought as he's leaving Congress. Behind the scenes, uh, the Allies have identified three of the Gates eight as the most vulnerable. And I've already said, but I will repeat, Nancy Mace, Republican, South Carolina, Bob Good, Republican, Virginia, and Eli Crane, Republican, Arizona. And I'm going to talk about each of these races. I think it's probably a foregone conclusion that the people that you know that are running against Nancy Mace, Bob Good, and Eli Crane have been handpicked by the McCarthy people, by Brian O. Walsh. And that's not good because they're going to be conservative Republicans from your perspective, and you're going to think they're really good guys, and you won't know unless I tell you, which I am telling you now. They've been recruited by McCarthy, and they're being funded by McCarthy. So the political article goes on to say that Brian O. Walsh is acting with McCarthy's blessing. The former speaker, oh, he's not involved in the day-to-day work, but he's briefed on its progress. Of course, I'm sure he is very agnostic about this, and you know that's not true. McCarthy's closest allies say his eight defectors should fear his influence from afar. He made it clear before even retiring from Congress how angry he was, arguing that Gates belongs in jail. And remember this? He got into a physical altercation with Representative Tim Burchett, who is nothing but a gentleman. You remember that? And then McCarthy denied it, but we had it on camera, so we knew it's true. There was one member of the Gates 8 who has uh, who was granted anonymity for this article, speaking candidly, and said that a potential primary foe who was uninterested in a challenge recently reached out to reveal details of re- repeated recruitment attempts by McCarthy's associate. Again, that would be Brian O. Walsh and whoever else works with him. I think they're looking to be most successful in South Carolina against uh, Nancy Mace. And I've heard, you know, I've heard a lot of blowback against her myself. And perhaps you have too. Okay, I want to give a caveat. I don't, as I said, I don't always agree with Nancy Mace. But right now, if I were in South Carolina, I'd be fighting for her. I would be fighting for her. I would. Because this is just unacceptable that members can't vote their conscience and can't do something that they feel is right. And in regard to that race, Walsh traveled to Charleston late last year to start interviewing more than a dozen candidates interested in taking on Mace. And one of those was Catherine Templeton, who did and is taking on Nancy Mace in South Carolina. Who is this Brian O. Walsh? Oh, he's considered by most people to be an extension of uh, Kevin McCarthy. He's a political consultant and former president of the McCarthy-aligned American Action Network, and he remains very close to Kevin. So just to uh, drill down on that a little bit more, Walsh's work sprang up after McCarthy's sudden ouster. Walsh volunteered to serve as a clearinghouse. As I mentioned earlier, he was eager to help get rid of these eight. Now, in Virginia, which I want to talk about because a lot of you are from Virginia who listen, McCarthy has also signaled interest in striking back against Bob Good. Bob is now the chairman of the Freedom House Freedom Caucus. You've heard me interview Bob. Uh, he's a he's from Liberty University. He used to work, he worked there before he was elected to Congress. I actually flew out and uh, endorsed Bob in, publicly. So just to put that in uh, perspective, he has a primary opponent in uh, Senator John McGuire. Now I also have endorsed in the past John McGuire. John is a former Navy SEAL. He's got a great story. I've interviewed him more than once, and I've always liked John. Uh, But it looks as though, it looks as though, it looks as though John may have been recruited by McCarthy himself, which is very disappointing. And that's going to be shocking to some of you listening to me from Virginia, because John has been a really good guy, but that's that's how this gets twisted. So um, good has tangled verbally with McCarthy on the House floor in November after Politico reported McGuire's plans for a primary campaign 
according to a lawmaker who overheard the private exchange and was granted anonymity to discuss it. Good sarcastically urged McCarthy to campaign in his district, to which McCarthy replied that he ha- he helped get Good elected and would spend money again in his district, this time for his challenger. An advisor to McGuire said that McCarthy and his allies are not involved in the decision to challenge Good. So that's Virginia. And then we go to Eli Crane. And, and Eli, of course, is from Arizona. He's a member of the Gates 8. According to the political article, he was uh, elected with massive financial help from McCarthy uh, in uh, the last time. Well, in 2022, that's when he was elected. He's the only first-term participant in the ouster. Uh, so they're very, very angry with him. Crane told Political he's aware of efforts to interview primary opponents to take him down. Uh, and he said, how do you know that? And he said, common sense. McCarthy allies have made inquiries about challengers to both Crane and Andy Biggs. Now, that's, uh, he used to be the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Andy is a good guy. Uh, he's served in Congress for a long time, and he's very popular down there. So I think they haven't had luck yet to recruit anyone against Andy. But the filing deadline for the state is April the 8th. Now, Biggs and Gates, and Gates, of course, is the biggest target of all, are seen harder to topple, and that is just kind of playing out. But another person in the defector group, Matt Rosendale, Montana, has already uh, hinted that he's going to run for Senate. So that's a loss, boy. Matt's really a, a maverick. I hate to see him uh, leave the House, especially right now, where they need strong conservatives. We, don't, we need them in the, in the Senate, too, though. A representative, Ken Buck, who's been a t- tremendous disappointment to many of us, also voted for Kevin McCarthy's out, uh, ouster, which I'm grateful for. But he's already retiring, so he's not going to be targeted by McCarthy. And who knows who'll take his place. Colorado is so far on the left now. Some McCarthy backers see a window of opportunity in Tim Burchett's uh, Tennessee district. Now, Tim is the gentleman. I think, look, I shouldn't say this but because I don't know his spiritual life, but I think he has invoked his fates when he's spoken publicly. And you know what? That often doesn't mean anything. But I think in Tim's case, it does mean something. His response uh, to McCarthy coming in and trying to recruit someone he said it's a, a sad commentary on his life. So um, there's just a little bit more information, and this time from an article on CNN, which came out just uh, just uh, actually as I'm speaking to you yesterday. Uh, this is a little bit of same topic, but a little bit different uh, information. So donors are dropping from these eight, uh, these eight guys. Some donors are dropping off and not supporting them. And primary opponents are lining up to take them out. I'm not sure that's exactly the, I think the political article is more accurate on that. They're having some success and not success in every every single district. Um, the eight House Republicans who took the unprecedented step of removing Kevin McCarthy from the speakership are facing blowback. And we know that. The Main Street Caucus and the Republican Governance Group, which are groups of Republicans on Capitol Hill, have both quietly dropped Nancy Mace from their ranks to punish her. In fact, one of them said she really wants to be a caucus of one, so we obliged her. Remember, those groups are the ones that kept holding out for Kevin McCarthy when the votes kept taking place. Mace responded by saying, I'm too busy working for low country and helping elect President Trump to worry about Kevin McCarthy's puppet. And again, you know, she's talking about Brian Walsh. I don't work for them. I work for the people of the 1st Congressional District and no one else. And the issue of Bob Good in Virginia, he has still the support, certainly of the House Freedom Caucus, because he's chairman, and they elected him, for heaven's sake. 
And he has also the uh, support of uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. And so, in fact, Mike Johnson is jumping in to bring some financial support uh, to some of these races, Matt Rosendell for, uh, for one, because he knows they're under attack from McCarthy. So um, Timber Chat of uh, Tennessee told CNN that some very wealthy folks have shut their wallets to him in the aftermath of his vote. He said, they've been very kind to me in the past, and I hope that we can mend the fences. I can get them back and in the fold, but if I don't, I'm still friends with them. I'm not vindictive. There's such a fine guy. He's the one that Kevin McCarthy tried to get in a fight with, bumped into, rude, you know, it was just amazing. That's the guy. So it's $17 million that Kevin McCarthy has. And Burchette said, so it'll be eight of us that probably feel the brunt of that. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew I'd get opposition because of it. I still think it's the right thing to do. And that's what the, that's the echoing. Almost all of them said something like that. They did it because they knew it was right. Eli um, Crane certainly said that. He told CNN he hasn't seen any backlash from his Arizona constituents saying, my voters are very supportive of it. And here, here's Eli Crane's exact quote. He said, he had no regrets. I didn't come here to play it safe or become a chairman of a committee. I have... I came here to make change. And when you do that, sometimes it means the runway is going to be a little shorter and you might go home. But we need people up here right now who have courage. And that's the nut of the problem. Uh, we are now, they is now McCarthy's targeting all those people that have courage. They had the courage to vote against him. But that's what he's mad about. He doesn't care about the courage they show on other issues, their leadership, uh, their their. A uh, sense of right and wrong. He doesn't care about that. He cares that they came after him. I'm going to come back to my original point, and that is right now the Senate is uh, haggling, and uh, McConnell, who I I just have no respect for anymore, has made sure that the border bill, the border part, and of course remember they tried to pass a border bill that was terrible, uh, and James Lankford tried to deceive the American people and his constituents on what was in that bill. McConnell asked him to carry the water on that bill. But as uh, Americans began to hear about what was really in it, they tanked it. So McConnell's next uh, move was to detach any kind of border protections, detach it completely from this spending bill on Ukraine, uh, on Israel, and on Hamas. The last I read, it was Hamas as well. And they've managed to finagle things so that they, as of Sunday, this past Sunday, have managed to get 60 votes to move that vote, uh, move that bill to a vote from the complete Senate. And that'll take place today. Then it's going to go to the House. That's a big deal because the House has made it clear that they want that border closed. The conservatives in the House, the kind that are being targeted, will not budge. There will be no vote There will be no money spent until you close that border, until you do something on border defense. And that's why each individual serving in the House and in the Senate, but right now we're talking about the House, matters a great deal. That's what's so reprehensible about Kevin McCarthy picking off these eight, if he can. Remember Kevin McCarthy's, if you don't remember, I'll tell you, Kevin McCarthy's history on immigration and the border is terrible. He always talked a good game and did nothing about it, like most Republicans. So that's what we're up against, and uh, I wanted you to have a full understanding. If you're from any of these states, South Carolina, Montana, Virginia, Arizona, Florida, for Matt Gaetz, heads up, please pay attention and get active supporting these good men and this uh, Nancy Mace, who made a right choice 
when she voted to oust uh, Kevin McCarthy. We'll take a short break, and uh, I'll be back with just just a few more things right after this. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? Did you know that at five weeks, that heartbeat can be heard through ultrasound? Did you know by six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming? Did you know that by 10 weeks, the baby's able to suck their thumb? Well, that's why preborn, when they provide the ultrasounds and show these beautiful images, these features of babies, the moms say, hey, that's my baby. I can't go into that abortion clinic. It's, it's that simple. And that's how preborn saves lives. And that's what we pay for those ultrasounds each and every time we make a gift to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I hope that you will continue to give on an ongoing basis. If you haven't done it in a while or if you need to update or you want to continue, please do go to preborn.com slash Sandy. Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and I miss you in the mornings. But now I'm hosting a podcast, Sandy Rios 24-7, which is available at AFR.net and SandyRios.com. Well, I finally finished that book. God's Velvet Hammer chronicles God's call in my life from a small town girl to Berlin, Germany, Radio Moscow to North Korea to Washington, D.C. I talk about Sasha Girl. That was my disabled daughter. I talk about I Got the Music in Me. That's a chapter on my music life. Lost in India and Other Adventures is hilarious. You won't want to miss it. I talk about my sweetheart, the blessing of Bruce. And then a mysterious chapter called My Green Face and the end of it all. Oh, I think you'll enjoy it. Like the Apostle Paul, these are my shipwrecks and my adventures. All for Christ and His kingdom. God's Velvet Hammer is available wherever books are sold. And remember, Sandy Rios 24-7 is available at AFR.net and SandyRios.com. Yeah, I think it was completely incoherent. The Republicans, Laura, only control by a very thin margin one half of one third of government. And that one half of one third has been pretty successful in marshalling what resources they had to slow down this progressive revolution. And then right in the middle of this, when we're looking at impeachment, we're looking at all these serious issues just to get rid of the speaker without any plan or you know, contingency to replace him, and then putting the entire house in chaos just feeds into the left-wing narrative that the Republicans can't govern. And why you do that, I, I don't know. And more importantly is that Gates's argument was that McCarthy consulted too much, too frequently, too friendly with Democrats, but he used Democrats to oust McCarthy. So it was so hypocritical and contradictory and counterproductive at a time when the Republicans have no margin of error and they need to unite in every aspect of that word. And here they're committing collective suicide. It doesn't make any sense. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. I love Victor Davis Hanson. I have seldom heard him speak when I didn't agree with everything he said. But on this, he's wrong. And I think uh, when I analyze it, it's because I hear this a lot of times from people who I trust, otherwise trust. They're not close enough to the Washington, D.C. infrastructure to understand the nuances. They they still read the paper and get their information secondhand, and they they don't have firsthand understanding because he's wrong about that. I'll make my point. He said uh, at that point they had a, hundred, a third of the power structure, and they were foolish uh, to give up that power. And I would s- just say to Victor, if he were sitting here with me, 
it doesn't matter if they have a third of the power structure if that third is doing everything the Democrats want them to do, which is what Kevin McCarthy was doing. Uh, he said, Victor said that Gates, he said they need to unite. There's just no margin of error. But what, what uniting means, uh, Victor, in uh, D.C. is that you have to go the way of the Democrats. That's what they call unity. That's what the Senate calls bipartisanship. When you actually uh, overpower and force Republican conservatives to do what the, what the left wants, what Nancy Pelosi wants, and that's what Kevin McCarthy did all the time. So we had to shake it up. There had to be a change. All right, I've asked Bruce to join me, my sweetheart, because he's been listening to all of this. Uh, and uh, you want to further clarify something, right, honey? I do. Um, this bill that you were speaking about in the beginning um, originally consisted of many parts, um, aid to Ukraine, aid to Hamas, believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. Aid to the Palestinians. And the part that probably we care the very most about is the, the part that was to close the border. It was to fund closing the border. Also aid to Israel. And Israel by the way, also, McConnell yeah. refused to have a separate vote on that. Yeah. But anyway. And so because Washington, D.C., behaves in such a dysfunctional manner, instead of our people holding fast to their guns and saying, look, we are not going to okay any of this other aid unless you close the border first. That is the priority because, you know, the function of our government is to protect our country primarily before other countries. And so you'd think that would be a pretty basic tenet of how our people operate up in Washington, D.C., but apparently it's not. Because when the leaders like um, McConnell found out that uh, there was going to be a pushback unless all the border uh, uh, provisions were included and that border was shut down, the House was not going to vote for that bill. So what does he do? He cuts out the border part and goes forward with the rest of it. Mm Now, again, that is not the function of our government to worry about aid to other countries before they take care of ourselves. And I find it outrageous, and I think most people do, uh, that they play this game up in Washington where if we can't get a bad bill through because the good part is holding it up, then we'll cut out the good part and pass a bad bill. Well, Pers, they they don't want the good part. I mean... (laughs) That's true, but they don't want the good part. They don't care to close the border because somebody's making money. Somebody somewhere is making money. And so this is what we're dealt with. We are dealt with it. I believe the, the Senate wins the prize on being the most corrupt body in the, in the, in the Congress. Uh, but, you know, we have uh, many in the House who have already compromised themselves, too. But we have good ones, and the good ones are under attack right now. So if you are... In Arizona, Eli Crane needs your help. If you're in Florida, Matt Gates needs your help. If you are in Montana, Matt Rosendale. If you're in Virginia, Bob Good. Uh, I think Andy, Andy uh, Biggs is probably doing okay in Arizona. Uh, and so, uh, oh, 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 and the other one that I forgot, because this is if you are in Tennessee, uh, Tim Burchett really needs your help. So I hope that you'll, uh, and this isn't about party, this is about people that actually want to preserve the country and make us safer, close our border, uh, and uh, spend responsibly. That's their crime. So Kevin McCarthy's exacting his revenge, and we can't let him do that. 
Well, I hope, honey, thank you for joining me. I was glad to. Okay, so I hope you uh, learned and enjoyed and are motivated by this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.